up, everyone? Welcome into Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. He is Drew Densick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And coming up on today's podcast, we have Steve Letarte joining the show, of course, after he gave a nice winner on the NASCAR circuit last week. He's going to come on in just a few minutes and handicap this week's race with us out in Vegas. We'll also get into the futures market with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And Lawrence Jackson, he's also here. He's going to let us know if he is fading the Lakers tonight after an awful showing on Sunday. We'll also get into who he's backing in the Eastern Conference. And, of course, we have our edge of the day and so much more coming up here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, what is going on? I missed you yesterday. You were traveling. It's West Coast Drew. It's Ski Drew. Untamed hair Drew. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, enjoying the slopes out here in Park City. It's uh, absolutely beautiful conditions, so could not be happier. Going to uh, wrap up the show here in a little bit and uh, spend the day out on the uh, on the mountain. Could not be happier. It is I'm March. so jealous. Happy March. Yes. Uh, of course, it's tournament it. time because uh, we now move into the month of March. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, great spirits yeah there was a few weeks stretch like two weeks when the nba all-star game started baseball's obviously kind of up in the air and then you know basketball still been solid but i took a few l's i'm like please just get us to march and we made it it's here it's march 1st and uh i do expect pictures by the way from from when you're on the mountain skiing but for now let's talk some college basketball and we had an interesting idea as we were going through you know off air what to talk about off, off the top of the show and i think a really interesting subject as we head into march and we're all in agreement the key to finding a Cinderella team as we look kind of down the stretch, if we could find a team with juicy odds to obviously make the tournament and, and maybe you could hedge out or just kind of what you look for in a team that you'd like to back in your bracket. So all that being said, what are some of the things that you look for, traits you look for in a team to make a run in March? And with that being said, who kind of fits those, fits those little kind of, you know, checks all those boxes. For. Yeah. Checks all those boxes. <laughs> so it's hard to do. It's extremely hard to do. You know, what's funny is um, as you kind of go through this mental exercise mm -hmm. and preparing to be, you know, who are going to crash out, totally. uh, you know, the potential upset team, you know, teams that are like ripe for an upset. Um, that's we could fade a little bit easier to find. Yeah. And then the other side of the coin is a lot more challenging. And if you looked at last year's, um, you know, last year's bracket and the way things broke, as an example, um, pretty clearly, you know, a conference like the Pac-12, you know, way, way overachieved what they were expected to do in uh, the tournament. But a ton of that just was because where they were. <laughs> and so without seeing the tournament bracket yet, it's very difficult to say, oh, wow, um, the South has four of the five teams that I was desperate to fade and they're seated one through four. Um, and we will so... get into that as we know the bracket. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, but that said, there are a couple of things that I do think you can look for when it comes to picking a Cinderella. You want a team that shoots the three pretty well um, because basically what you're looking for is a team that comes in, is not expected to you know come away with the upset. They catch a heater from three. Uh, all of a sudden the offense is unstoppable uh, and you know they just happen to get a good matchup. Um, so I'm looking for a good three-point shooting team i'm looking for a team that has relatively good um turnover defense like if they catch a lead you do not want them to concede the lead especially easily um you know so a team that uh, that doesn't turn the ball over offensively is good a team that can make free throws is pretty important as well because presumably to ice those upsets 
uh, you're going to want a team that does not choke at the free throw line, which is all too common in college basketball. And so those are really the key, the three key characteristics that I think are worth kind of circling. And then, of course, price matters, you know, as well. Like you're, you're not going to want to pick a long shot if you're not getting a reasonable, uh, you know, payday at this point, especially. Um, and yeah, there uh, better be some, yeah. some fat odds attached to the teams you're looking at at this point. Of course, of course. And I guess the two, you know, people will also say like, oh, yeah, you want a team with experience, you know, a, you know, a team that has veteran leadership who've been there before. Uh, and certainly that qualifies for someone like a Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago, obviously a team that has had noted success in the bracket at you know in past um they're surprisingly a five seed in their conference tournament uh the mvc was extremely top heavy this year there were some really good teams up in the top uh four or five of the mvc and so loyola chicago excuse me the four seed uh, has to play their way in and that's not going to be easy but if you're going to give me 200 to one on that team uh and you know in general a team that uh, has put on a pretty spectacular performance from time to time particularly as we've come down the home stretch of the season um I'm into a team like Loyola Chicago almost came away with upsets against Michigan state uh, as and played, uh, you know, relatively tough against, uh, you know, some meaningful competition early in the season. So they're tested. Um, and I think uh, realistically 200 to one is a fair price for them. Uh, another one I would look out for is South Dakota state Jackrabbits 500 to one uh, for this team. Would you be surprised to know that South Dakota state is the number one three point shooting offense in all of college basketball when you adjust for tempo and strength of opponent that seems impossible but sure enough south dakota state can fill it up from three so if i'm getting a high variance team uh as you know someone to go south dakota state probably going to get a 12 seed one of those 12s matched up against a five where they are you know surprisingly two point dogs in the opening round tournament and, and come away with the win uh at that point they just need to put together some some positive shooting uh and play their way into a final four 12 to one for south dakota state to make a final four is a, is a fun shot right now without you know in the blind without seeing the bracket how about you right yeah i, I actually like loyola chicago as i was doing a little bit of a deep dive on this earlier this morning and last night that was a team that stood out to me from a historical standpoint to use their traits moving forward what we look for i think what you said about, you know, I do think veterans and older players matter, and I'm going to get into why, you know, the team I like. But I was looking at Loyola Chicago, for example, in 2018. They ranked third in field goal percentage and 20th in three-point percentage. So obviously check the boxes then, and they do again this season. So I like that look. Um, and I think winning the turnover battle, obviously, is pretty imperative as we look for teams to pick down the stretch. It's San Francisco for me, and you'd probably be surprised to see that. Yeah, the Dons. Who would have thought to, uh, coming out of the WCC? We have to hope that they get probably an at-large bid here. Um, 150 to one. I saw some books. I know fans will hunk 200 to one points bet here, 150 to one. Listen, we're looking for kind of a dark horse and a long shot team right now, but I think they kind of have a few things that, that check the boxes in terms of what I'm looking for. They have a ton of fifth year and sixth year seniors. So I do like that as we, we look at a team and they lost to Gonzaga, but they showed a competitive edge. They need to kind of obviously string together some big wins down the stretch and in the tournament, but they have a solid defense and also uh, they're great on the glass. And I think that's going to matter. So for me, that's the team when I looked at, at all the teams that could maybe make a run down the stretch next month, 150 to one, 200 to one, I'll take the Dons and hope they can make a run. Well, I like that. Look, one last thing to consider. You want a team that does something that's a little unique. 
right? Like think of like a Syracuse. They have a defense that a lot of teams haven't seen before. And then come tournament time, that tends to catch teams by surprise. So I'm looking at Syracuse at a thousand to one. You know what? They have no business being in the tournament. The committee always puts them in regardless, even if they are on like the, you know, well outside the bubble, they find their way in because the tournament committee can't help themselves, but put Syracuse in. Uh, I'm going to grab a little Syracuse at a thousand to one just for fun, just because again, their defense is tough to prepare for. We were talking, I know you were off yesterday with Tom Casale and I told him he's a Q's fan. I said, I'm done with Syracuse. I'm done <laughs> in every aspect, betting them last night, a bad beat. I know for a lot of betters, but I'm just done with, with Syracuse in general, but I'll root for them for you. If you're going to grab them, um, we'll get more into college basketball, obviously later in the show and uh, down the stretch as we're finally in March. But it is Tuesday, so we bring in our Tuesday guy, Steve Latar, to help us really break down it all. Steve, we appreciate the time. And the first thing I do want to pick your brain about is going to be the Pennzoil 400 in Las Vegas coming up, of course, the NASCAR Cup Series. And, you know, you come on with all of your insight, obviously, you know, uh, extremely proficient, efficient, everything in the space. And this has been a, a tough one for me to handicap as I look at some of the bigger names here. Is, is this a race, in your opinion, that we could probably find some longer shots and get some value in? I really think so, Sarah. When you look a week ago at California, Kyle Larson won. So if you look at the box score, you go, oh, the champ won the race. The favorites are still the favorites. But if you really took a deep dive and watched the race, there were a lot of names up front all day long that could have easily have won this race that are definite long shots looking ahead out to Las Vegas. Once again, Kyle Larson, the favorite, um, two for two, not out of the question. So I think you need to probably put a little bit of action there. But I look a little deeper in the field. Jones at, at 20 to one. He was top three in both stages, third in the race. This is a driver that you could have got much far longer odds a week ago. He's really over-preparing. Briscoe's another one, and Tyler Reddick. Those names jumped to mind because they had such a good California. Now, California and Las Vegas, very different racetracks. But with the car being so new, I think the trends will continue early on. Plus, they stay out west. And, and when they stay out west, it's very hard to work on your cars. You know, they don't come back to the factories back in North Carolina, improve, um, and, and, and make changes that kind of stick out West, almost bubblegum the car back together, if you will, and take it again next week. So Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, I think it'd be silly not to look at those two as still the favorites. But I do think there's some long shot value. Um, really, I would look at any long shot that ran inside the top 10 or led laps at California, and I would take them again at Las Vegas. That is a fantastic nugget about uh, tuning up the cars and the uh, the geography uh, that it plays a plays a role. I have never heard that before, um, but I will absolutely weave that into my handicap now. Moving on to a little bit of golf. Uh, curious if we can pick your brain on the Arnie Palmer Invitational. Uh, I have been holding my breath waiting to bet Rory McIlroy for this tournament for uh, a little while now. And lo and behold, he comes in at 12 to one. So obviously not the only person who really had eyes for Rory here. In fact, I think that's probably a little bit uh, too short of a price to get involved. Um, how do you make this, uh, you know, the field stacking up? And do you think uh, there's anyone we should monitor as we uh, work our way towards the weekend? Well, I think you're great with the McElroy pick. I was surprised some of the numbers didn't shift more with DeChambeau withdrawing because I thought he was going to take one of those top five, top six spots. Uh, I love this tournament, right? The history, the kind of the signature event leading into the players. So uh, the best are going to be on their best. You just can't turn it on the week of. We all know they have to build into it. Uh, so I think Ron McElroy, but I, I, I'm a little concerned about taking that at 12 to 1. I think the odds are too short just because we have seen some surprise winners down the stretch. And I'm not sure... 
that can't continue. So I go back to my same old story, same song and dance, find a guy long odds, try to get inside the top 20. And the name that jumps out to me is Jason Day. Now I know a week ago I had Louie and he shot a 65 and he got back in contention and couldn't get it done over the weekend. Uh, but he gave me a little bit of hope. At one point he was miscut and he worked his way into the weekend. I think Jason Day, um, listen, too good of a golfer, too good of a golf swing, too much on the line next week. I don't think I would take him at, you know, 66 to one to win. He has to beat the likes of McElroy and all those guys. But I think a top 20, I mean, he rolls the ball so well. That Florida swing is consistent. I like Jason Day, top 20. Yeah, right now looking plus 220 to finish in the top 20. His average, rather, to finish here was 25th in his last five appearances at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So let's hope gets a little bit ahead here, finishes in the top 20, looking at plus 220 on points bet right now. Uh, we got to talk about the NFL. We can never escape. The futures markets open, obviously, right after the Super Bowl they open. But now we're starting to see money kind of shape the MVP markets. You know, a, a lot's going to be, you know, a lot of markets, rather, for here will shift as soon as we kind of find out where these quarterbacks land but Aaron Rodgers plus 800 uh right now and then Russell Wilson 30 to 1 MVP of course you can find Mahomes at plus 650 what's interesting about Aaron Rodgers is that he's obviously won back to back now and he opens as one of the favorites yet again is this a guy you'd look to take to win three MVPs in a row or are you looking elsewhere here three in a row is just so difficult I mean with Tom Brady no longer in the lineup you would think it should be a shoe in as long as he ends up somewhere that can put his skill on display. And I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to go for the big paycheck. I think he really wants to win. Uh, I, I'm surely he has enough money that he's going to try to go somewhere to win. I really think that there's so many emerging young quarterbacks. Just look at the Matt Staffords of the world. There are others. Who's it going to be next year that I think going with Rogers in my mind is a little short-sighted. I mean, I think you're better off. Uh, I don't know about Burrow. He already had a great year, but how about Herbert or, or, you know, you go Dapper, Cooper cup. Can he back up again? as a receiver, you know, you just don't know. Um, at eight to one, I just don't see it. I think it's too short a line for me to put money on Aaron Rodgers with too many unknowns. I think you have a better bet at Patrick Mahomes at six and a half to one, to be quite honest, because I have no doubt they're going to go back to the to deep into the playoffs. And if he can bring them into the big game, I think he's going to be the shoe in. So I actually think the favorite is a better bet than Rodgers. Ooh, interesting. Um, I agree with you in general. I think Rodgers eight to one is kind of insane, but all that said, if he does go back to Green Bay, the NFC North is pretty weak. The NFC overall is pretty weak. Um, the kind of the X factor might just be where does uh, Russell Wilson land? I haven't heard any realistic buzz that, uh, you know, that there's a suitor out there that's willing to give up a huge package. Russell Wilson at 30 to one, if he stays in the NFC, might be a fun little wild card. Sarah, do you have any uh, any thoughts on Russell Wilson? <sighs> It'd be tough. I think if he stays in the NFC 30 to one, it might be worth honestly a little sprinkle now because depending where he lands, we're never going to see 30 to one hung again. Um, that's going to be an interesting look. It's funny. I know we were talking with one of our researchers. I love Justin Herbert as we all do. It stinks that he plays in the AFC because if he didn't, he would probably be able to wrap up this award, but with such a loaded AFC, I like you think we need to head uh, to an easier NFC, rack up the stats, rack up the touchdowns like our guy Rogers does every single year. So uh I think Herbert's an interesting look at 14 to one, but I'll be curious to see where Ross lands uh, for you as well. We're having a comment come in, by the way. So let's take a look at our live commenters joining us. And it looks like Drew is in the attic. Drew, are you in an attic talking about Russell Wilson? I'm in, the, in a ski chalet. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, uh, yeah, old school. So I know we're talking football, but I, I do want to circle back around. I don't normally get into college basketball, but you guys touched on my heart. You talked about 
Syracuse, which is where my wife went, they're going to be in the tournament, not deserving. But Loyola Chicago is the one. <laughs> Little known fact, the 6'7 power forward Ryan Schwieger from North Carolina is Rick Allen, play-by-play man's son. So I watch every Loyola Chicago game because my coworker's son uh, is a Princeton transfer up to Loyola. He's having a great year. So, Drew, I love that you picked him because I am heavy <laughs> Loyola to go into the tournament. I don't know if I could have him win at all. But Loyola to reach the semifinals, I'm all in. I believe it. Sister Jean and that big power forward out of North Carolina, I like it. Sister Jean in itself is a reason to get involved. And now with all of that, Steve, being said, uh, I think we're all going to have to sprinkle a little on Loyola Chicago. Steve, we always love having you on. Thank you so much. Steve is with us every single week now, giving us an insight on pretty much everything, unique markets across the board here on Bet the Edge. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Latart. And Steve, we will talk to you next week. Best of luck with all your bets for this weekend, especially with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Appreciate it, Drew. Enjoy the slopes. Yeah, we're all jealous of Drew. All right, Bet the Edge is expanding. (laughs) Drew and I host Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern to get you armed with all the last-minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to make your wagers right before the games begin. So make sure to check it out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Yes, can't wait to get involved with this again tomorrow night. We have an unbelievable slate. Of course, NBA is back. We have conference tournament time for some of these smaller conferences and conference basketball, college basketball. So uh, it is time to tune in Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. Check us out. Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. I'll be curious to see if you're in that spot during about the edge game time. Will you be on the slope somewhere because it'll be earlier your time? I guess we'll have to find out live tomorrow. Let's get into the NBA. It's been a while since yesterday we've broken down the Mavericks. I want to talk about them again. We welcome in Lawrence Jackson to help us break down tonight's slate and get into the futures market a little bit. Hey, Lauren, thanks for taking the time. I do want to start with the Mavs, a team that we touched on the show yesterday. They've obviously been an interesting storyline, even just, you know, prior to the All-Star break, the way they're playing. And now they're laying a big number against the Los Angeles Lakers. When I saw the odds for today's slate, a little bit surprised here. Mavericks laying five and a half uh, against Los Angeles. But what can we say about the Lakers? They are reeling. They do not look good. Lost four of their last five. But is this number too big? I'm curious to hear your handicap on Dallas taking in Los Angeles tonight. You know, um, the Lakers over the past month of February, they ain't giving us a reason to trust them doing anything let alone playing basketball, right? I don't know if it's more about the Lakers or or if it's about the Mavs playing good because both are happening. They're being like, for instance, the Lakers have won three games. They won three games in February. The Mavericks only lost three games in February. Now they're coming to a head, and uh, I like the Mavericks side of the head better than the Los Angeles Lakers side. And, you know, they got smoked by the Pelicans. You got LeBron and Russ and them talking to the fans and stuff. There's just nothing um, I feel good about unless there was like a LeBron prop on points because they have no one, right? And you know he got to get his stats. So unless there was a LeBron points prop, then anything else, I I, I can't feel a good feel good about anything having to do with the Lakers. So I'm taking the Mavs to cover. It's not crazy. The Mavericks were pretty unbelievable in comeback mode against the mighty Warriors over the weekend. So why Drew, not? Drew, I uh... talked about you yesterday on our show. I said big things to Drew for convincing me on Friday to take the Mavs. Oh, uh, man, that didn't look bit good of a for a lot of that game. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> that of a sweat. A, that was yeah, a wild fourth quarter. Um, but you're right. Uh, you, actually, you know what? I almost uh, – 
want to get involved with the Mavericks here because this is one of those games where after uh, after LeBron kind of gets booed at home and he's going back and forth with the fans like that, doesn't this kind of feel like a game where he's sort of a, he might be a late scratch? Like, uh, you know, like I'm, I don't want to go out there and and uh, and kind of put myself in, in front of these fans again and, and really get, you know, because he's questionable. He's dealing with some injuries. And, of course, we know Anthony Davis is not going to be back for a while. And, yeah, the Lakers are in deep trouble. Uh, a team that I think is uh, ascending right now, and they're taking on maybe one of the hottest teams, if not clearly the hottest team in the NBA, is your Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks uh, are in, you know, they have a decent shot here as they come down the stretch uh, to move themselves clearly into the playoff picture, uh, which would be, um, uh, you know, that would be a huge you know moment for them because they obviously have underachieved to this point in the season, but still a lot of basketball yet to be played and they could play their way into this tournament. Um, do you think the Hawks have the goods to challenge a Celtics team that is putting together some of the more uh, impressive play when, you know, when, when they feel like it, I guess is the right way to put it. Yeah, so they do, um, and you. But it has to be on one of those days where the Celtics just don't wake up that day, because we know how the Celtics could do. They could go on a five-game win streak and then just decide not to show up one day. Um, in the last match between the uh, between the Hawks and the Celtics, uh, a couple of days before All Star break, they won by ten, beat the Hawks by ten, and that's that was with uh, Trey Young and Deontay Hunter combining going 13 for 42 shooting so if you're going to tell me they're going to shoot that bad again then i tell you they they have no chance but they may get back john collins tonight they might i, I was reading us some earlier then i'll give them a shot to actually win the game but i got them at least covering this but for the reasons you said about the Celtics, i don't think they could win it but i think they could cover Right now, close to 90% of the handle coming in on the home team, Boston Celtics, obviously have a little bit. They had rather an easy stretch of games. Uh, they didn't do great two and two. So I, I see both arguments here. It's trust. It's, it's tough to get involved, I think, though, with the team that's playing better in Boston. They're five and one yeah. in their last six home games. But seven's a big number. We'll see where this number lands. You might be able to get a better seven and a half or eight because I'm seeing a lot of money coming in on Boston this morning. Um, let's look at a broader picture here. The Eastern Conference champion. Right now, the Nets are the favorite. Favorite three to one. Then we have the Bucks three to one, 76ers, Heat, and then the Celtics, as we just talked about there, eight to one. Who stands out in the futures market for you, Lawrence? Um, what stands out to me is the first team up there is the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> yeah. man. It, it's amazing that they're even still in that spot and uh in third overall to win the championship. Uh, but we all know why that is. It's because we're anticipating the return of uh Kevin Durant. The debut of Ben Simmons, which that we don't know. We'll probably get Kevin Durant back here shortly. Um, but that's what we're anticipating, and that's why these odds are where they're at. And I, I would take it now, you know, um, because of when KD comes back and he has that KD-type game, then we know that that's, that's going to cut in half. So uh, I like the Nets here. Um, I like the Nets to win the East. I even like them at plus 600 to, to win it all if they could get all the pieces back and playing. Mandate Kyrie. Hopefully he can start playing uh, in, in the home game soon. We'll see what happens in, in New York. But everything with the Nets is all about anticipation and hope and having to wait and see what happens with injuries and, and things of those nature. So everything has to come together first. But when it does, it'll be too late to cash in on these <laughs> numbers right now. 
Yeah, Nets uh, dug themselves a little bit of a hole. They have to play their way into this playoff playoff picture yeah. as we speak. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, woof. Uh, yeah, interesting uh, market. Obviously, not lo- not in love with them tonight either. They're eight point dogs now in a in a back to back with Toronto. Um, the uh, I'm surprised couple- they're still sitting at three to one, but I think it's just because of their early yeah. season liability. Yeah, well, and as as Lawrence you mentioned, a ton of stuff we're going to learn in March. Uh, expecting KD back this week. Expecting that around March 7th, uh, the uh, mayor of New York is going to lift the vaccine mm-hmm. mandate, which gives Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, the opportunity to come back and play home games. And then, of course, I'm, we're expecting to see Ben Simmons probably March 11th. I think he's going to have back issues until they get by that Philly game because he yeah. doesn't want to play. In Philly. So uh, not, not surprising. They're going to keep him out until then. Um, but uh, yeah, they do have about a month to kind of tune their team to be ready for what is in hindsight, not ex- wasn't not expecting the East to be as good as it has been. Like all of these teams have a realistic yeah. shot, so it's going to be yeah. a very very fun Eastern Conference playoffs. I think we all get that. Um, the Western Conference playoffs also shaping up to be really really competitive. We mentioned Dallas is on the rise, uh, and of course the Denver Nuggets are t- you know on the rise as well. And we have seen a huge 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 chunk uh, come out of the uh, Nikola Jokic MVP price as this is turning into a true two man race. Embiid right now at minus one ten. Jokic at plus 200 do you have a lean between these two players or do you think it's worth grabbing a long shot in this in this race well my long shot's gonna be Ja Morant um, <laughs> I'm going prisoner at a moment and I'm doing a lot of comparisons with him and D Rose from that MVP year and it's lining up perfectly so th- that would be my value play um the realistic plays, it's it, it looks like it's going to go to one of the big men. I just, in my heart, would love to see it go to a backcourt player. But Jokic just, he offensively, he, you know, obviously he does a lot for the team. Um, what's, what's hindering them right now is their place in the Western Conference right now. Same as Embiid. If any of these guys were the number one seed right now, then it would be, uh, it would be their uh, trophy to lose. But, uh, Embiid, if he could just – he doesn't have much longer, just stay on track. He's been in this position before. He's had – then he, he got hurt or something happened, so it, it should be his to lose, man. Yeah, I feel like Embiid borderline has this wrapped up, but it's, I think, a two-man race with Jokic, too. I know Drew likes him a ton in the market. Talked about him at plus 350, three to one. Now we're looking at plus 200, but do you know what's crazy? Uh, DeRozan, 18 to one. He is the biggest liability – biggest liability and, and most bet over at points bet. If you go back to February 6th, Drozen was 50 to one for MVP. Obviously what he's done lately has been fantastic, but uh, now his odds have clearly shortened and points bet is rooting mightily against him to wrap up this, uh, this award. Hey, we really appreciate the time. And by the way, you might have the best Twitter handle on anyone that's come on this show <laughs> at Lord. Don't lose. You could find Lawrence Jackson on Twitter there. He has awesome social media content and picks. And of course you can find more of his insight on NBCSportsEdge.com. Lawrence, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we got matchups we're highlighting between the Knicks and 76ers, Kings and Pelicans, and Thunder and Nuggets. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right. 
time to get to edge of the day. By the way, I just realized that I am full on matching with my furniture in the background. So I look like a floating <laughs> head. And at the top of the show, I said, Drew, like untamed Drew with your hair and stuff. I'm matching. I'm a floating head on the show. Nonetheless, we move forward. Edge of the day. Drew, let's hear it. Where are we going for tonight's slate? Sarah, it's a tough card tonight. <laughs> it's kidding. actually turned into my favorite words. We have our best betting night when it's a tough card. Yes, the jig is up. Uh, the NBA is a very tough handicap in March. Um, if you didn't already know that, it's it, March is the most difficult month to win in the NBA, and I'm not saying that as a reverse jinx. It just it is what it is. Was well, February the hardest like for that. college basketball because it yes. makes me feel I've better about always. myself? <laughs> every year you know it's the month of february if you're losing college basketball picks that's the way everybody everybody knows this um the uh the march marches is the nba's turn to become especially difficult to handicap and today is no different i'm going to take a shot on the washington wizards at minus three largely because the detroit pistons have accidentally won two games <laughs> since the all-star break uh i think that there is a realistic opportunity here that the pistons come in and on the road against a team like the wizards and they say you know actually this matters to our draft seating this matters matters to our uh you know the future of our franchise we're going to um you know take a little bit of our foot off the gas here uh, of course Detroit got some hard fought wins against the Cleveland Cavaliers coming right out of the break uh, almost beat the Celtics over the weekend and then of course beat the Charlotte Hornets by one point which was um, a wild wild game as well um I think the Washington Wizards are being a little bit disrespected by the market I bet on them a couple times towards the end of last week they uh they obviously had the uh, two or two or three overtime game against the uh, Spurs and then bounced back Back on short rest, uh, you know, you know, back-to-back nights came and gave you a very, very hard-fought effort against the Cavaliers. Covered the number. Um, I think this Wizards team has some, you know, some interesting young players, some uh, some solid play by their bigs. I, and uh, realistically, uh, you know, fair price for me on this one would be four. Uh, so I'm going to lay the three with the Washington Wizards. Of course, this opened up at minus four and a half, and it has been bet down to minus three. So I am basically the buyback here on what looks like a sharp move. Uh, all that said, uh, Pistons, you know, any game out, particularly on the road, I think they could give you a no-show as they are positioning themselves for the lottery and next season. Yeah, someone say Tank City. Tank Detroit, 6-25 and 25 on the road this season. All they need to do is lose by, I don't know, four points tonight and make themselves, what is that, 6 and uh, 26 or so? Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that being said, I will say you've spent a lot of time. You're from the DMV area. Our producer, Adam, is. I've spent a lot of time there. PJ, one of our, our researchers, is, and he thinks you're a brave soul going with the Wizards. <laughs> we know this, team, but I'm rooting for you. I'll take the three. Uh, this is an interesting market. 67% of the handle was on the Pistons, I think, at that bigger mark, four and a half. Now we're looking at three. You're the buyback. You're the, the NBA guru. I'll tell you on this. I have a big favorite, so it's not like my play is that convincing either in college basketball, but saw this and it was certainly a confusing number. Villanova drew is laying nine and a half points versus Providence. Last night, you could have got this eight, eight and a half. That number is long gone. If you look back to the weekend on Saturday, uh, Providence celebrated their first regular season Big East title in school history. Now they're turning around on this Tuesday and playing Villanova. If you went back a few weeks ago, Villanova were four point favorites on the road at Providence. And now they have a huge home court advantage and they're nine and a half point favorites at home. Um, I think this game just means a lot more to Villanova. Obviously I mentioned what Providence just done having locked up the regular season title, more of a kind of a revenge game because you can certainly make the argument with a lot of missed games for Providence earlier this season. Maybe they didn't deserve 
tournament. They had some COVID never rescheduled games and some issues there early on. But nonetheless, uh, Providence over their last five games, hear me out, overtime went over DePaul. Uh, really long, hard game against Villanova. Overtime win versus Butler. Three-time overtime uh, win we talked about last week against Xavier, and then they had a win on Saturday over Creighton, and they stormed the court after that game. It's a letdown spot, big letdown spot for Providence. I do think Villanova's the better team. They're at home. So I will take Villanova Wildcats here, laying nine and a half at home for a game. I think they come out and show up with a lot of energy. So you got the revenge angle, you got the fatigue angle, and you got the, the hangover factor. and the You're hangover the factor, factor as well. Uh, all three boxes checked in favor of Villanova. So I love it. Let's go Villanova. It's a big number. So we're going to hope for the best. I'm just happy I got a win last night, Drew. Sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm chasing, but on this show, we got to give an edge. Just happy Baylor got it done for me. That's all I got to say. Good job. Baylor is, you, you got good karma with Baylor. Yeah, I actually do. It's one of the teams, one of the very few teams I have good karma with this season. But uh, I like him in the futures market a little bit too. But let's try to keep it rolling. Certainly going to root for the Wizards tonight and, and take that bet and lay in, a, lay in the lumber here with Villanova and that fat nine and a half. So those are our plays for today. We appreciate you guys joining us for Bet the Edge. We have to log off because Drew is going skiing soon. He's technically on vacation. And Drew, we do appreciate you doing the podcast today. Uh, for everyone listening and watching, if you want more insight picks analysis, you got to know the deal by now go to nbcsportsedge.com for all of that we'll be back tomorrow at 6 to 7 p.m eastern on the nbc sports edge youtube channel for bet the edge game time the morning edition von dalzell Corey parson at 10 a.m awesome show there so hope to see you on both uh, have a great rest of your day and best of luck with all of your wagers we'll talk to you guys tomorrow